this is Nathan from Navigating a Privateer Life. I had a nice little show planned out about some of the most, I would say, painful races. Those racers who crashed and that crashed in the middle, in the last corner of a race or were going to win something and then went down, you know, the real pain. Not just physical, but the ones that just make you want to give up. But then, some news dropped. I'll be moving to Monterey, be uprooting my family. And I did one last ride on the trails I cut my teeth at. I mean, it's not the last ride in forever, but... It's the last ride where there are going to be my local trails, at least for the foreseeable future. The trails that I ride are on Peavine. There's no trees, so the sun just lays down on you as you're climbing. The dirt is loose, rocky. It's the type of dirt that when you learn how to ride it, you can ride anything, anywhere. And you can ride anything anywhere really well. I took my little brother up. Not the motorcycle racer, but the jujitsu black belt. And of course, he stomped me on the climbs. I have no illusions that my fitness is still complete garbage. But it would be my last ride. I wasn't feeling it. I was climbing okay. It's hurting. But not hurting bad enough where I slowed down. I just just couldn't get into it. I don't know if it was the saying goodbye or if it was all the stress from having to uproot my family. I had fun going down, of course. You always do, but... Was this the goodbye that I wanted? Does anybody out there feel that... That kind of attachment... To the trails that they cut their teeth on? I mean, I'm... Sad... As brutal as the climbing was, as crappy and hot as it got as the summer drove on, these trails built the rider that I am.
now I'll be racing, riding over the hill. As one of the people that were almost the enemy when I was racing as a junior. People who could build base miles on flat ground, ride for hours, just putting miles in. When I had to climb, no matter where I went. You always had the excuse over there that when you were the early races in the spring, we weren't prepared for. We had to train inside or do gym work. Californians were always ready. They could ride year-round. So that excuse is completely gone now. I can ride year-round. I think one of the big things I worry about is relearning the, the local trail system. You know, the one where you know when to go, when not to go. When's it crowded? When is it not crowded? What's the best trail? What's the gnarliest trail? Trail Forks is great. There's those little intricacies that you start to learn. Like on the road, it's, it's the best route. It's the route everybody rides. What's the training route? It's going to be absolutely beautiful. I'll be moving to Monterey, and I'll have some amazing trails in Santa Cruz. You know, lots of rolling green hills drive my road bike on and you know get the gravel bike on some actual gravel not hey we cut this road in because of fire two years ago and it's steep and miserable good luck I think part of it was my oldest younger brother we were starting to connect closer than we had in a long time since when we were racing BMX together and we had all the shit talking between each other manual that no jump it manual that no jump it type of crap he was riding I was riding with him I enjoyed riding with my brother I think that's probably one of the hardest ones too the hardest part about leaving regardless I'm not sure what's going to happen for the next month. Um, I'll be going down there to start work. And my family will be in Reno. And my podcast could be super killer. They might not exist until the end of June. I'm going to try to get them done. Um, I will. I... It is a mystery to me how it's going to be out there. So, just be ready for for any of that. One thing that I've been 
I'm noticing a lot is the new mullet setup. Like going back in time to see the 26 inch and the 24 inch rear, the combo. You know, I thought it went away because we all just figured, why don't you just run 26 inch just as fast? But now with the mullet coming, is it more of a geometry change that people like so much? I've ridden uh, Polygon Square One, and Dan Wolf at the the latest EWS threw on a 29er on the front of his uh, bike to slacken it out. I'm not a huge fan of ultra slack bikes and especially when it's not uh, super steep down of course but I'm wondering if it's given them some advantage that I haven't been seeing lately I don't do we think it's going to be the same way as the 2426 you know getting that built up playing with it and then have it disappear in just a year or two? Or do we think that it's going to be like motorcycles? And it's actually going to stay this way. I'm not going to say that I... I mean, the more clearance in the front, your the back's going to be snappier. It makes sense. Maybe the problem in the past was using a 24-inch wheel on a downhill bike. And I, that's a little bit silly, too. But, at the same time, I would want to say that who would have saw 29ers coming on the down, of course? Well, uh, when I was 16 and 29ers first kind of hit mountain biking, one of my friends who won the junior national championship downhill was like, they're going 29. And I believed him, and here we are. I rode a 29 single speed rigid for a while, and I could see exactly the writings on the wall. I don't know if we're at that perfect balance, but I have a feeling that just to screw with us, we're going to see a lot more 27.5, 29er mullets. It's going to be kind of sweet. So taking a look at... Cavalieri's Blackbird. It's a and it's a beautiful bike, and it's using a gearbox. Um, looking at it, it's it's pretty awesome. Now, when we look at gearboxes, the one thing that is special about it, uh, you're not going to be saving weight. So get that in your head right now. Like a derailleur. I you know I don't know. At one point, I figure I, I'm already under the impression that we're gonna see the biggest rear cassettes in the whole universe. So maybe they will save weight at one point. But using a gearbox allows you to take your drivetrain weight, what your derailleur would be, and everything like that. Your cassette, the weight of your cassette, and put it dead center over your cranks which 
balances the bike uh, instead of having a weighty cassette in the back, especially for like your 12 speed GX riders and things like that who have a more affordable rear cassette. It's going to shift all that weight right in the middle. Meaning you're going to be able to corner better. Um, the bike's going to react differently. In reality, a balanced bike, all the weight being right in the center, that's how you want to ride. So helping you keep that weight there is the most important part. Now, given usually gearbox bikes are absolute monstrosities. I mean, they are ugly, terrible-looking bikes. They really are. Um, the old Hondas, we loved them. But they were, after it was all said and done, we are like, yuck. This Blackbird, I feel, is clean. It's pretty. It's simple. I mean, you got the bulky... Uh, gearbox by the cranks but it's your normal four bar high pivot so it's keeping it keeping the cranks below everything um and then running the chain but looking at it it looks like you can keep that chain nice and tight it's gonna just roll with complete efficiency through the travel and I think you're going to be able to get a ton of gear options with very little change. Changing the rear, uh, your rear cog can get you a ton of difference. I don't know. Check it out. Uh, Cavalieri Blackbird. Let's just say, finally, a gearbox design that doesn't make you want to throw your bike into a fire. We had a recent hit in cycling. Some pretty big designers have died in the recent week. Frank Berlando. Frank Berlando, uh, one of the engineers who de designed the Stingray, uh, died. Um, he was a two-time Olympian. And that's a... Uh, what a what a hit. BMX wouldn't be BMX without this guy. He was also one of the designers of the quick release. Man who created such incredible things. It's sad. Them go. With such a name, the designer of the Stingray and the Quick Release. Something a little closer in Reno. On the sixth, Roland De La Santa died. Now, he was a frame builder in Reno. Um, to get a hold of one of his frames was like was like one of the most incredible things you could have possibly done. He made Greg LeMond's frames when he was getting into racing, which tells you something. Tele Santa, outside of his incredibly beautiful frames um, and the prestigiousness of knowing who wrote his frames, seeing them, he was also talked full of knowledge. I think it was just mostly... He was a legend in the Reno area. Everybody knew of him. If you didn't know him personally, you knew his stories. 
and you knew his bikes and you'd always talk to someone and they'd be selling their quiver of bikes in their garage and they'd be looking and you know i'd i'd get rid of everything but i don't think i'd get rid of the 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 della santa that was constant constant comment you'd hear so you know sad beautiful frame designer and an incredible engineer hope you guys are having fun shredding in the afterlife so that's it everybody um just trying to get something out there trying to update you on my stuff um tell me what you think about maybe going through some of the new tech some of the some of the new tech i want to i want to start getting into that a little bit more i like seeing it yeah it's one of those fun things and i'm able to do it while i'm you know in this transition time i also want to start getting more into talking about racing the race results and stuff like that so make sure you guys contact me please let's get some stuff going let me get some interviews from you guys some race stories and uh make sure you subscribe on itunes or spotify or anything you're listening to this on it's going to help us later on and it's going to help me now so all right everybody have fun out there